Hello, everyone. My name is John Mark Day, and I serve as the Director of Leadership and Campus Life at Oklahoma State University. I'm also happy to be your host for the NASPLA Leadership Podcast presented by the Student Leadership Programs Knowledge Community. <clears throat> this episode, we're partnering with NASPLA's Sustainability Knowledge Community to talk about the connections between sustainability, leadership, and social justice. So we've got three guests this time who are each leading in understanding sustainability in higher education. Shay Alvey, Brian McGrath, and Bigger Lamb. Shay Alvey serves as an Assistant Director for Residential Life at Arizona State University. He earned his bachelor's degree in interdisciplinary studies with a leadership development minor from San Diego State University and worked as the Graduate Assistant for Sustainability while earning his master's degree in counselor education at Clemson University. Shay is currently pursuing his PhD in sustainability at ASU and serves as the chair for NASPA's sustainability knowledge community. He's dedicated his career and research to identifying new ways to engage students through sustainability, education, and social justice initiatives. Outside of work, Shay enjoys creating and listening to music, exploring nature, and spending quality time with his spouse, Melissa, and the rescued pit bull, Coda. Welcome, Shay. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, next, uh, Brian McGrath has over 20 years serving in multiple student affairs roles in campus activities, student leadership, career advising, residence life, student conduct, large-scale event planning, team building, and crisis management. His current role at North Bennett Street <clears throat> School, which is a trade school in Boston, his primary focus is helping students prepare for and obtain gainful employment. Throughout his career, Brian's aim is to empower students to proactively participate in the quality of life on campus, help them transition into leadership roles, and encourage them to then share their vision with the campus community. Outside of the office, Brian enjoys reading, playing piano and drums, hiking, traveling, philanthropy, and 80s music. <clears throat> Brian, thank you for being here. Pleasure being here, John Mark. Awesome. And then our third guest is Vigor Lamb. Vigor currently works as a project engineer for Kitchell CEM, which is a construction management firm on the City College of San Francisco Facilities Master Plan. Prior to this, he worked as a student affairs professional in academic affairs, multicultural affairs, residence life, and campus life. He holds a master's in post-secondary administration and student affairs from the University of Southern California and a Bachelor of Science in Landscape Architecture from The Ohio State University. Vigor is pursuing the lead AP in Building and Construction credential, and he is the chair-elect for NASA's Sustainability Knowledge Community. His professional interests and passions include racial justice and decolonization, sustainable and universal design, and he is currently researching Asian American fraternities and sororities. His other passions include enjoying hikes in the Bay Area, training for a half marathon, cooking, eating, and sketching. Welcome, Vigor. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you all for being here. I'm really uh, excited to sort of dig in and, and talk about this connection between sustainability and leadership education. So to start off with and let us know for each of you, where did your interest in sustainability come from, particularly as it relates to higher education? I can go and kick that one off. Um, so for me, really, my, my first uh, engagement when it came to sustainability and the power it has for leadership was really being challenged in a role that I felt I was underprepared for. Uh, coming into uh, Clemson University in a graduate assistantship in sustainability, I had students that knew the Latin names of trees and had 
every understanding of what should be recycled, what shouldn't, and I just did not have that knowledge. And so I learned so much from those students, but also became enamored with their value set, with their, uh, their, their drive to become uh, the best person and make the world the best place. Um, and I just became, um, became very infatuated with the kind of people that gravitated towards sustainability and the kind of uh, growth and development that can happen by um, guiding one's connection to the earth and to the environment um, into their, their drive to be a, a student leader. So um, I really enjoyed that piece, and that was really my uh, initial step uh, into getting involved in this environmental leadership world. Great. Shay, thank you. Uh, Brian, what about you? Where did your interest come from? Uh, the second job, the second professional job I ever had was at a small school in the middle of nowhere in Vermont called Green Mountain College. And everything they have done from extracurriculars to curriculum to their first year seminar to their orientation was environmental liberal arts focused. Uh, and I knew a little bit about it. You know, UMass had a recycling program when I was there and I understood sort of the environmental piece. But they had a first year seminar that I was able to sort of co-teach. Uh, we were able to talk about like downstream, the things that you do upstream affect the people downstream. And I was able to relate that to like what goes on in the residence halls. And that, that term downstream just resonated with me. So really from that job, learning from students at Green Mountain, learning from the faculty at Green Mountain, was very helpful to me to create sort of this blossoming interest in sustainability. So it really came back uh, by probably in, in the early 2000s is when I started working at GMC. So back then. Great, excellent. And Vigor, how about you? Yeah, I think for me, um, as I mentioned my bio, as a landscape architecture student, um, I think sustainability and green design is the foundation for the profession. So a lot of the, the case studies that we did, um, the projects are focused on campus space and landscapes, and a lot of that has to do with sustainability in the, the space of higher education, how we use physical space, how we design it. So I think that's really initially sparked my interest um, as a student, as an undergraduate student. And then working through student affairs and the profession and now construction management, I've just really learned to intersect those degrees and passions um, for sustainability in education. Great. Thank you all. Well, so you all are uh, involved with the sustainability knowledge community through NASA. So tell me a little bit about that knowledge community. What are your goals uh, and what are your projects that you're working on? Yeah, so for us, really the, the biggest priority is to ensure that this conversation keeps happening, still happens, uh, and that we connect it to multiple different facets of sustainability. So when we talk about that, connecting the environment, for sure, uh, the social aspects um, and economics. And what we see in student affairs is that there's a, a desire and a want to uh, continue conversation about social justice. Um, and for us to see an opportunity to connect environmental justice in with that um, and make sure that people can make those connections and better understand uh, how they can incorporate this through their work. So a lot of what we're trying to do is increase that profile of sustainability so that it's on the minds of, of our professionals across the country. Um, and we're, we're doing that through many different initiatives. I can you know, allow uh, Vigor and Brian to chime in, but that for me as I see our vision, uh, it's just ensuring that this conversation still happens because we see an incredible value in doing so. Agreed. The, the two things that I'd add really quick, um, it's really about just, Shay already said this, but changing the paradigm, trying to make sure that people consider sustainability an environmental justice issue, not just sort of an environmental degradation issue. Because even in my region, Region 1, we're all pretty smart people. 
the minute we talk about sustainability, I still think people still think of recycling. So for me, regionally, I try to change the paradigm a bit through dissemination of information, through word of mouth, uh, and regionally it might be through service learning projects or through presentations at the Region 1 conference. <clears throat> kind of how I can handle things from a regional perspective. Great. I'm trying to think of some tangible things that we're working on too, and I think one of the big initiatives um, for the SKC think, coming up is during the national conference, I think we're going to be um, planning a pre-conference for sustainability for the knowledge community. So I think that's one thing that we're going to be working on to kind of get the word out, have a space for um, attendees of the conference can really specifically focus on these conversations that Shane Byron are talking about, which I think is going to be super important as we go into Austin. Um, locally, there's a lot of great initiatives happening um, locally in the college um, at UT Austin, but also in the city of Austin. So um, that'll be super important and super cool. Yeah, I think Austin is going to be a great place to get to talk about sustainability, and there should be some, some really good things happening in the city to tie in. So you all have uh, a lot of good expertise in sustainability and leadership, and so anytime I have folks on, on the podcast, I always like to ask, what is it that you are reading or watching or listening to outside of what we think of as the traditional leadership canon that's giving you some insights into leadership right now? So, Brian, why don't we why don't we start with you? What are you what are you what are you thinking? Oh, this isn't that deep. It's kind of cheesy. I'm using a Game of Thrones reference here, but I was thinking about this question, and the funny thing, the first person that came to my mind, if you're familiar with the show, I won't do any spoilers, is a character named Davos. Uh, and what I like about Davos, he's not flashy, he's, there's no drama, he's sort of a what-you-see-is-what-you-get type of leader. He sort of has one of the few characters on the show that has a moral compass. Hmm. Uh, he's grounded in empathy, diplomacy, loyalty, and you can see people getting behind him. Uh, so it's, it's not too much, but I, I think of him as a good leader just because of sort of the ethical hmm. base that he has. He has this ethos of humanity. Uh, he came from, you know low class and is sort of moving himself up the ladder throughout the course uh, of, the, of the show. But uh, Davos is, is sort of somebody that came to my mind as sort of this authentic, transparent uh, leader. So I don't know if that's where I come from. No, I, I like that. And I guess, you know, not to be too controversial, but there are a lot of people who might say that Game of Thrones is a good illustration of leaders who start off really well and then sort of lose it at the end. But I'm not going to... There's the other way. Do too deeply into that. But yeah, that was, it would be the opposite illustration of maybe the show's trajectory. Uh, well, Vigor, what about you? What do you think? So I, I have to say, I did not watch Game of Thrones. Um, I saw the ending episode, Brian, and others. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I know what happens, but I don't know the other seasons between. So um, I think for me, I just kind of really thought about it in the sustainability lens as someone that works in construction now. I took a very seriously approach to this question. Um, I think what I think about is just the Bay Area, California in general, is really leading in leadership in terms of just green building and green energy and all things sustainable. And I think about um, a few organizations that are doing that um, that I follow, one of them being the U.S. Green Building Council. Um, that's, they do all the accreditation for buildings or certification buildings, and they credit people. Um, also, there's um, the San Francisco Bay Area Planning Urban Research Association, or SPUR. They do a lot of amazing things. They have a whole agenda on green leadership and how to do that, either in the office or the workplace or wherever you are as just a person, uh, as a, someone that's wanting to be involved in this movement. So I thought about that a lot. So sorry it wasn't as fun as Brian's, but <laughs> that was my approach when I thought about this question. 
That's awesome. And that's the point, right? Is to get everybody has different things that they're learning from and, and thinking about. And it's so interesting to get to see how those all work together. Uh, Shay, what about you? You know, so I may be changing the game because I know that we had talked about, uh, you know, thinking what, what this example would be. But I've been incredibly into this TV show Pose recently. I don't know if anyone is inter- uh, interested or has seen it. Um, but it's, it's documenting and going through the ballroom scene in, um, in New York, uh, predominantly uh, speaking with black transgender youth, um, and that is the primary cast uh, behind it. And for me, when, when I think about some of those aspects and how it connects to the environment, um, a lot of the times the, the way that we think about how real estate was back then, there were certain groups and certain populations of people that could live in certain places. Um, and so when I think of the way that their housing is portrayed, where they're, they're really all living, um, you know, in, this, in the same place and, uh, and, and doing their best to, to make it and just think about the, the structural aspects that, um, it, that they had to go through to overcome, whether it was real estate or the medical system or, um, or how they were able to get a job. Um, and the, the way that that connects to the environment and climate um, and better understanding where people can potentially be um, placed or told to live, and those are oftentimes places that are closest to, um, you know, to, to either tainted water sources or unclean air or things along those lines. And so I, it is, it's tough for me not to think about those aspects when I, when I look at situations like this that eloquently and beautifully portray um, a style of, you know, of oppression and power. Um, and so it, that's, that's really where I'm coming from, and I know that's been popping up on my Twitter feed a lot. And so from a pop culture reference, that's probably the best thing that I could think of. Awesome. I, I have not had a chance to check that show out yet, but I've heard such great things. And I think you're right. There's really interesting ties to leadership, and I hadn't thought about it from a sustainability perspective. But, yeah, it seems like all of those things are working sort of in concert to uh, really tell that story. So along, along those lines, today we want to talk about the connection between sustainability and social justice and, and leadership and what, how all of those things work together for folks. When we talk about sustainability, it's, it's one of those terms, kind of like leadership, that everybody thinks they know exactly what it means until they're asked to define it. So help us out. Give us an actual definition. What does it mean to talk about sustainability? Well, I think that ACHI, which is an organization for the advancement of sustainability in higher ed, uh, I'm not giving you my own. I'm giving you theirs, which I think is a very good way that encompasses it beyond the environmental piece. But they take an inclusive definition, which encompasses human, ecological health, social justice, secure livelihoods, uh, and it's all about making a better world for all generations. So I think it's sort of a nobody left behind type of philosophy where you, you have to provide for the needs of you as a current generation, but you can't compromise the ability of future generations. But uh, ACHE, I think, defines it in an inclusive way, which I appreciate. So. Mm-hmm. I think along those lines, too, I, I would, that's how I, I personally define it, too, is that any person that has just access to clean water, to clean air, to green space, to um, being able to live, you know, kind of expanding that behind beyond uh, having shelter, but what does that mean to have shelter? What does it mean to live in a space? So I think that's just having access to anyone, any human um, in that lens. I think that's so helpful yeah. so often. Oh, go ahead, yeah. And, and what I would add as well, just if we're talking about sustainability, it's tough not to, um, to kind of capture that through environmental justice and using that 
um, uh, you know, as the phrase that we often will kind of use interchangeably. Um, when we talk about environmental justice, it, it, it really comes down to individuals who are contributing less uh, to, you know, to the climate crisis or to carbon emissions or things like that are the ones that are impacted the most by it. So oftentimes, uh, in, you know, individuals of color, individuals of low socioeconomic status, um, people that are, you know, in Tornado Alley or under, under the, uh, the waterline or in floodplains or things along those lines, those are often people that aren't contributing a lot to, uh, based on their lifestyle, uh, to where, uh, where our carbon is within our environment. And so um, from a leadership standpoint, it's identifying that we need to serve as advocates for those folks and we need to better understand how everything is connected that kind of leads people to be living these lifestyles that are largely disparate uh, from where, uh, where many, uh, many of us may be or where much of our lifestyle may be. Um, and so it's characterizing that from a student leadership standpoint, allowing them to understand those connections is, is a huge piece when we talk about student leadership and sustainability. <coughs> So this is interesting because I think, you know, so often on, on a lot of our campuses, we think, oh, sure, we do a lot around sustainability. I've got this recycling bin over in the corner of my office, and so we're, we're good. But what you all are talking about is a larger connection between issues of sustainability and then social justice and leadership. So talk to me about those connections and how you see all of those things working together. To take that. <laughs> I can start, I guess. So I think just that um, I think equity, as you kind of mentioned, environmental justice, equity is kind of threaded. I mean, to be sustainable, to lead, and I think to achieve this, you need leadership. There needs to be equity in. I, I think about the physical space now, the construction of students and um, student leaders need to think and think of ways to not just put recycling in a room, but it's more about how do you make it equitable as well for people that sustainable ties into that because that um, is something I'll talk about a little bit later about this space and how does it mean to learn? How do you how can every student learn in a inclusive and um, a way that is open to all of them, um, that doesn't obstruct their, their way of learning and their way of being involved. Um, that's where I'll start. So, so for me, you know, social justice to me is many times providing a voice for the voiceless. And I feel like with some of the sustainable issues, the environmental justice issues we face, it's usually the underrepresented, the voiceless who are bearing the brunt of, of everything, from the environmental piece to the ecological piece, economic problems, anything off or on campus, it always feels like it's the voiceless that are bearing the brunt of it. So I think that leaders really... Um, should be the ones that are courageous enough to act as the voice for these voiceless. So I think that's sort of how environmental justice, social justice, and leadership can kind of intertwine, um, just serving as sort of the, the advocates or the voice for those people uh, that are maybe bearing the brunt of what the world is giving them. So Absolutely. Well, I, you know, as we talk about this, I know that one of the things that, that we're talking about really is encouraging behavioral change for folks, developing that in our, in our students and as well as in our organizations. And Shay, I know that's been a focus of your research and your work has been how do we actually develop and encourage behavioral change for students? So what are your thoughts? How do we go about doing that? Well, I, I appreciate the question. Really, from my perspective, it, it, 
not that much different from the level of student development that we have grown used to within our roles, which is developing a true and authentic connection and relationship with a student. Um, and with that comes the opportunity to better understand what their passions are, what, what, what allows them to gain connection with the world and other people, what can they spend two to four hours just brain dumping onto you, like I am so, uh, so connected with this particular topic. And for us, it's a job of making sure that we can understand what that is and make a connection to sustainability. Um, and so if, if it is someone that is incredibly invested in, whether it's marine life or golf, or, uh, or you know, sports in general, or business, or commerce, it, whatever that is, given the fact that everything can be so connected, um, it's better, better articulating to them how what they're interested in um, has that connection to sustainability. So for me, it's, it's not about teaching someone about sustainability and why it's important. It's about connecting sustainability to the things that they are already interested in. Um, and already things that they, uh, that they find a passion in and would love to chat with people about that. Um, and then from there, it's, you know, it's an uh, exponential effect. If someone is interested, and we've seen a lot of success from our young people and our millennial and Generation Z student populations of being able to take a social issue, um, crowdsource it, gain some momentum around it, make things viral, whatever it is that they need to do, and increase that narrative. And so you had asked earlier, why is it so important that our students are involved in this? Our students are going to be the ones advancing these conversations. Um, and so connecting it to what they are valuing already um, is going to be the easiest way for us to uh, encourage sustainable development and ultimately behavior. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's so key is helping students see where they fit into this story and, and what, their, what their role is, what their opportunities are for change, and I think that's an exciting way to sort of frame this conversation. Well, Vigor, you have a little bit of a different role uh, than a lot of folks. You spend a lot of your time thinking specifically about uh, a student's environment, where they're at, uh, the things and the places they're interacting with, and how that environment contributes to that student's learning and experience. So what have you learned uh, through that role and, and uh, your work with that? Yeah, thanks for that question. So much I think I've learned, um, and I'm continuing to learn as well. I think that you know the physical environment is, is so important, right, for anybody, for people to to learn, especially students. And I think that you know, in my uh, work in landscape architecture, learning about how landscape, thinking about mental health, how it affects people, um, how to use green space to um, in, in in facilities that help people um, recuperate from anything. So I think that you know have that the environment really have to contribute to people overall, right? So I think specifically for students learning, you need universally designed space that's sustainable, um, that so any student can really learn, right? So this means equitable use, um, multiple types of um, ways to present them, pictorial, verbal, tactile, size and space, you know, you know referencing some of the principles of universal design. Um, but also that includes lighting, right? How do you have good lighting or heat or AC or furniture or paint? It, it means, you know, the whole gamut about how you experience the space, how it's physically built, how its interior is. Um, having a standard for that really affects student learning experience. So I think that um, in the construction side of it too, um, it will save a lot of money for the college as well if you're saving money using green practices and you're building with heat or cooling. So that's also important as well. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's always a helpful 
sell for the folks a lot of times engaged in this work and we can say, here's, here's, here's the money we, we save the institution, right? That's another form of, uh, of sustainability and looking at some of these things and sometimes can be a good way to get, to get that work done. I'm interested as we're talking about this, we're talking usually on this podcast about issues of student leadership, how we help students grow as leaders. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking with the work that you all are doing, you're putting a lot of that into practice yourselves. You're leading this knowledge community. You're working with this small group of very dedicated individuals who are trying to influence a huge system, which is, you know, a lot of the leadership work that we encourage our students to do. So for you all personally, what does that look like for you, and, and how have you grown as leaders through this work? Well, for me, I'm the Region 1 rep for the SKC, for the Sustainability Knowledge Community. So for me, how I try to influence a huge system is, is it's, it's, you know, thinking globally but acting locally. For me, I'm acting regionally, taking baby steps, uh, maybe meeting and greeting people during conferences. It might be some word-of-mouth conversations I have during lunch at a regional conference or during one of our regional retreats. But it's really trying to bring the cause to the people. That could be through me personally doing a verbal conversation. It could be through service learning projects regionally. It could just be through blogs. It might be something that's passive. And I feel like if I can gather one, one person of an audience every once in a while when I do that and they can share that with somebody else, then that's kind of how I try to influence it as baby steps. Uh, and for me, just growing as a leader, it's usually through what I was just saying, just authentic dialogues that I'm having with my peers, uh, Shay, and vigor and the previous leadership of the SKC, I mean, it's really interesting to talk to them because sometimes they're more involved with sustainability on their campus than more of a hobby for me. Uh, but I just read anything I can get in my hands. Uh, I take any dialogues or criticisms I ever talk to with students and try my best to improve myself through those conversations with peers, colleagues, and students. So, um. Great. Yeah, and for me, as I'll chime in, it's rewarding work, you know, and, and I think that, that that allows you to develop because you're just continually striving to, uh, as Brian mentioned, have more conversations or gain more, uh, gain more people who are interested in this. And for me, it's just opened up an incredible amount of doors. I think that there are more people who are asking for a sustainability lens than there ever has before. Um, and so it's definitely allowed me to develop as a professional and maybe invite me to different different tables of people saying, hey, we need your perspective uh, on this. And working at a place like Arizona State University, uh, it, you know, that is a, a huge value of the institution. Our strategic plan sets out you know, a very aggressive plan to, uh, you know, to remove what our impact is on the environment, but to also create access and to also uh, include and, uh, you know, and honor all identities that are around. And so for me, the way that I, you know, I stay motivated and stay um, stay up on what it is that I'm supposed to be working on is, is recognize that I am, you know, I'm ideally making a difference in this world and allowing individuals to uh, connect to an environment they uh, may not see as often or connect to a, a topic that they, uh, that they gain some perspective on what their value is or what they should be doing. Um, and, you know, as long as I can close the door on my home uh, at the end of the day and say that I've allowed someone to understand the bigger picture and what their place in society is, um, then it's, it's very easy to keep going and keep pushing um, because at the end of the day as we try and advocate for a topic that may be underrepresented or may be taboo to folks, we're going to be told no quite often. Um, and so, you know, that's why I think you see so many dedicated 
um, you know, incredibly passionate and motivated people in this space is because we've grown that resiliency and it's worth it to us to continue to pursue it um, because we believe full-heartedly the value that it could bring. Um, so I'd intended to be short with that, but you got me on a tangent, so I apologize. <laughs> well, it's, it's, uh, it's not a simple answer, I would imagine, right? These are, these are deep issues that you all are obviously very personally invested in. Yeah, I, I think um, to add a little bit more to that, um, I think it's, yeah, it's not about the title. It's about making voices heard and making other voices heard, especially the most marginalized, right? And I think um, that was referenced a good amount of times, I think especially for us on this call or this recording and this podcast is, um, yeah, like recognizing that who's at the table here, right? So we're all men, for example, and um, what's, what's missing from the conversation? Who's missing? Um, so I think that's something I've learned a lot of um, growing and understanding leadership. Absolutely. And I'm interested, Brian, you have an article in the recent knowledge community publication that talks a little bit about, about that, about how we sort of combine these issues of sustainability and environmental justice and social justice and get multiple voices heard and, and help multiple students see their their, uh, their role in this. And so I want to I, I want to read you a quote that you wrote uh, for the article. And it says this, it says, colleges and universities influence students who in turn impact society when they become scientists, social workers, engineers, teachers, doctors, and other social change agents. This is why higher education and therefore student affairs professionals must be at the forefront of this sustainability paradigm shift. We must envision sustainability as a multidisciplinary concept that ties together quality of life issues and must share this vision in teachable moments with our students. I think that's such a profound statement about the work that we're trying to do. How do we do this? How do we influence students to really take the lead in this movement? I, I think sometimes they're putting our feet to the fire because they're already at the forefront of the movement. I feel <clears throat> late when you're, you're seeing these social justice protests, these campaigns, people walking out, uh, it's usually the younger crowd that's courageously doing that, particularly with climate change. Uh, I mean, there's a 16-year-old basically running, running uh, totally changing policies and putting people's uh, minds aware of climate change now, all because of a 16-year-old. So I think sometimes the younger crowds, they might not need much motivation because they're just about there. Uh, but for me, the other way that I can influence students, Shea sort of already brought this up, it's really not about making more work. I think it's, you're, you're not really adding more work, you're not making more work, it's sort of rethinking your work. It's, it's maybe what are you having in the things that you like to do, whether it's golf, whether it's fraternities. Is there something that you can, <coughs> um, that you can sort of shift the paradigm in a conversation? So maybe you're not taking your, your already laborious job as a student leader and adding more bullet points to it, you're just changing maybe the dialogues that you have. For me, it's all about um, just having a conscious, just, <coughs> just changing the way you you dialogue with people or interact with people, uh, maybe it's sharing an article. So it could be totally passive. It doesn't have to be go, 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 because they're already swamped as leaders. So for me, they're almost already there, uh, and it really it's all about just changing the way you rethink the work that you do, not really giving yourself more responsibilities. It literally could be just going, picking an office at a time that you might want to have a conversation with. So for me, again, it's just baby steps things, taking things in digestible bites. Yeah. We, we have an upcoming uh, edition of the podcast, actually, that's focused on leadership learning for students through their student activism. And, uh, you know, these things tie so closely together. And 
uh, there's a lot of student activism around issues of environmental justice. And so these topics are so closely related and so many opportunities for us and our students to grow in this. You know, that being said, with all of the opportunities, it still feels like when we talk about issues of environmental justice, that's a huge issue. And it can sometimes feel insurmountable. I mean, Brian, I appreciate what you talk about, about sort of taking those little steps for students, but it can be hard to feel like you're making any progress. So how do you help students stay engaged and encouraged in this process? And, and how do you yourselves, professionals engaged in this work, how do you stay encouraged? Uh, through this this uh, really complex process. For me, it, it's about celebrating those small victories, you know. And, and I think whenever we're going through an uphill battle, whether it is social justice, environmental justice, uh, even changing a, a policy uh, on our college campuses, we we just have to celebrate those small victories and understand how they can help that. Um, getting to that point, if you, if you are a resident assistant or involved in the residence hall association, can, can you do a challenge that helps people be more conscious about the energy that they use or the water that they use or how often they recycle? Um, you know, staying motivated competition often breeds a lot of that as well. And so programs like Recycle Mania in those situations, how much can your campus divert from the landfill? Are you beating, you know, beating out that team down south or, you know, your, your state level or whoever that is? Um, you know, and, and just allowing them to see that what you are doing is making a difference. Um, it's going to be slow and there are going to be times where you're not seeing progress, but that is the sign to keep going. Um, and, you know, and so really just finding their opportunities to help, whether it is Res Life, as I had mentioned, or for your orientation program where you're handing out more paper than you would like to, doesn't make sense to go to a digital format. Um, you know, and, and just understanding and articulating their locus of control um, because there is, as you had mentioned, such a risk of looking at this as such a systematic and large issue that one person can't do anything about it. But I can tell you, just being involved in this space, seeing the momentum and the energy around that now is so much greater and so much different than what it was even 10 years ago. So imagine what you can do to catalyze this change moving down the road and looking back at your alma mater 20 years from now and thinking, I was part of that change. Um, and so I think just creating that connection for students and saying what you're doing is worth it and valuable um, is really the best way I would go about that. Great. Yeah, I think adding to that a little bit is, is just checking with them, checking with yourself, you know, being empathetic to what's going on with all the um, policies and things happening in our country, just making sure you're checking with them and making sure that, you know, Maybe the best way to engage is to disengage, right? So um, whether it be your students or yourself, right, disengaging for a little bit, kind of taking a breath, um, but just understanding where they're at. Um, that's really important as well. Well, what advice would you have for folks who want to engage in leadership around uh, environmental justice on their own campuses? How can they get started and, and what should they think about? The two quick things that I had were the school that I previously came from, Wheelock College, did tons of town hall meetings. Uh, and I think town hall meetings, student polls were a great way to get a sense of where the gaps were. So maybe there's something on their campus uh, around something as simple as recycling, <coughs> as simple as food waste, that maybe they can find some gaps through just assessing the population. So I think an easy way to get involved is to do a quick, if you're a student leader for a club, uh, if you're a, a resident assistant somewhere in a residence hall, maybe there's some gaps 
that you can think about around social justice that you can find through, through just assessment of town hall meetings or polls. But the other thing is, I, I mentioned sort of baby steps. It's really taking one office at a time. Maybe you realize that catering could do a better job with fair trade, local products. Uh, maybe student life can create some sort of a food pantry or community service. Uh, maybe the store can sell organic apparel. You know, anything from um, business office to see what they're doing for purchase histories to make sure they're working with ethical companies. What I'm also seeing is some students are pushing academics to do things called resiliency curriculums, which are really, really interesting. So maybe the way to get involved is to take it in small <coughs> bites, to pick an office that you want to work with and maybe find a way to do an initiative through that office rather than trying to do everything at once. Great. Jen, yeah, I think to the Brian thing, I think that you know, there's staff or faculty on the campus that probably do this work. Um, and it's I think, really cool that if you can find an office that specializes or is an office of sustainability to talk to the staff and partner with them, get resources, get money, get funding, but also, you know, in the academic space, as I'm sure Shale might talk about, is, you know, finding faculty that research it or that talk about it. Um, take, take a class. Um, attend events that happen on campus, whether hosted by your, your the office or um, certain organizations that focus on this, this type of topic. Yeah, and, and to add on to that, as someone who, you know, who is working a lot within, uh, within how a department itself can be more sustainable, if there's someone outside of my department that emails me and says, hey, I would love to chat with you about sustainability, that, that's the best part of my day, to be honest. You're not going to be jumping into a space where you know, people will say you've got to pay to play or you have to know a certain amount of things to talk with me about it. It's, it's an incredibly welcoming group um, when you talk about individuals who are involved in sustainability. Uh, to, to be able to hear or see someone say, hey, I have an interest. I want to better understand either what you do or how I can help, um, that'll be one of the quicker responses to an email that you would probably get. Um, because people like myself and like Brian and like Figure are so excited to talk about that and bring more people into that conversation. Um, and so I would, I would definitely recommend like reach out to those faculty, reach out to those offices, um, reach out to a director and see is there someone in your staff that's, that's also excited about sustainability? Because chances are there is going to be at least one person that's going to say, yes, I want to have this conversation. I've been waiting for it. Um, and so just initiating that conversation is half the battle, I would say. Yeah, there's nothing like getting somebody who cares deeply about something to talk about that thing that they care deeply about, right? Like that, some of the most fun conversations. I, and I would guess, too, for a lot of our uh, folks out there, great way for them to engage in leadership around sustainability and environmental justice is by getting involved with NASA's sustainability knowledge community. So tell me how folks can do that if they want to learn more. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. So the... The best way is really to look through our website. Um, you know, it, it's a simple search, NASPA Sustainability Knowledge Community, or KC for short. Um, we, we have our profile. We have our page that's on there. Uh, we, you know, have the contact information, social media to engage with us. Uh, you know, Vigor, myself, Brian, all of our contact information is on there. And so if it is really just a, a chance to get, uh, get in connection with us, get in contact with us, uh, get involved in what we're doing. Sign up for our mailing list is the easiest way to better understand uh, what we are doing from a day-to-day -day perspective. Um, you know, and, and anyone who does join, we also invite to, uh, we have a, a Slack channel as well where we can you know, talk amongst ourselves from an intermittent standpoint. Um, and so lots of incredible ways to join the conversation, uh, but also be involved from a leadership standpoint as well. And so we do have a couple at-large leadership roles that are available and as well as 
uh, a, a regional representative uh, position that is open as well. So um, that is, that's the best way to get involved, continue that conversation, um, and join us in this amazing cause. Awesome. I think there'll be lots of great opportunities for folks to connect. So the last question I want to ask you is a question, the last question I like to ask everybody when I have them on the podcast. And I think Bigger will start with you for this one. Uh, but I want to know for you, we've talked a lot about sustainability and, and leadership. What's next that you're thinking about? What is the next question about leadership that you have on your mind? So many things. <laughs> I think uh, I'll end with. Uh, I, I watched the debates, the Democratic um, debates yesterday. So I think that's what I think it's playing out is civic engagement. What is what is this next generation of students going to do next year with uh, a big election cycle happening? How are they going to engage? How are they going to um, be civically engaged in the process of asking the right questions, the, the questions that we need to be asked to get our, um, our representation of government. Um, evolved and um, accountable to what we want the future to be. Excellent. Yeah, that's a that's going to be a topic I think that's on the forefront of a lot of folks' minds over the next 16 months. It's going to be a big things for us to think about. Uh, Brian, what about you? What's your next question about leadership? Uh, for me, I think it's about the mental health of our student leaders. I know we focus so much on the mental health of all students, but I think sometimes. It's a weird, weird world we live in, and I think everybody's getting, uh, the, the younger group is getting pressures from everywhere, but particularly student leaders. You have family, you have peers, you have employment, job searching, political climate, economy, global issues. There's all of these things sort of coming down at once, and I feel like you have leaders who are balancing personal life, academic life, their leadership life, while they're also trying to carry the world on their shoulders. So for me, are we having enough conversations around the mental health of our student leaders? So I, I guess that's sort of the next question I'm thinking about. Well, that's a great one. I, yeah, you're right. That is something for us as, as uh, educators, really important topic for us to be engaging on and, and working through. Well, Shay, we've got two strong ones so far. Uh, bring us home. What do you have? I mean, you, you can tell that I, that I work with these guys. It's really tough. The first one, you know, that I thought of was politics. Like, all right, Bigger, like, you take this one. Like, awesome. All right, while Bigger's talking, what is the next spot that I'm going to go? All right, mental health is good. Brian, okay, cool. Yeah, that's that's. Where that, I mean, the, <laughs> Thanks, um, guys. you know, those are those are two incredible aspects. You know, can't talk about sustainability leadership without talking about uh, politics and our elected government and, and mm -hmm. where our policy is going to go. Um, and you really can't talk about how it impacts people without talking about their mental health and how they engage with their community. Um, if I were to to think of something different, I'm, I'm looking at agriculture first and foremost. I think we've, we've gotten too far away uh, from, you know, our localized food and, and how we obtain food. We've grown uh, too far disconnected with what we put into our bodies from a day-to-day -day perspective. Um, and with that disconnection comes uh, a lack of awareness of, you know, what the impact is of whether, whether it is, uh, you know, meat, which can be pretty, which can be one of the largest uh, contributors to carbon carbon emissions or is it local or not and does it take a long time for something to get to you? Um, you know, really just shaping and, and telling someone that the single easiest way for you to make an impact in your life is to change your diet. Um, and with that comes a, this, this otherworldly connection with, uh, with how you live your life and the environment that you grow up in. And so uh, diet's an you know, incredibly impactful thing for folks. We do it three, four, or five times a day. Um, and so allowing people to better understand how they can make a difference through those choices um, is what I would say is the next step for us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this, since coming to a, a land-grant institution in the state of Oklahoma, 
as I talk about leadership, I get to spend a lot of time thinking about issues of agriculture and, and, and what does that mean for folks and how do we help people become more aware of, of the impact that that has. Well, that's Absolutely. great. And, and just to, I'm sorry, and just to add, you know, I think we see that, you know, in uh, involved in, in the news as well when you talk about trade tariffs and what that does for local farmers um, and their ability to maintain their livelihood but also to nourish their communities that are around. You know, there are just some things that happen that, you know, have these residual impacts that we don't necessarily think of when that, you know, when that initial decision is made. Um, and so it didn't mean to cut you off, but, you know, nope. it's so pertinent in what we're seeing in the news these days uh, to, you know, maintain that connection of, of its, its ripple effect and its impact down the line is yeah. so important to this topic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so all of these things, politics and mental health, physical health, agriculture, these are so closely intertwined as we, as we talk about leadership. And uh, you guys have given me uh, enough material for the next nine episodes of the podcast, probably. So, so uh, <laughs> thank you for that. Thank you all so much for this conversation around uh, environmental justice uh, and social justice and leadership. What a great thing for us to be talking about as we, as we talk about leadership development for our students. And thank you all out there. Thanks for joining us for the NASPA Leadership Podcast, presented by the NASPA Student Leadership Programs Knowledge Community. You can get more information about the sustainability knowledge community uh, through NASPA's website uh, and their various outlets. You can also learn more about the leadership knowledge community uh, on Facebook at facebook.com slash SALEAD. On Twitter, we're at NASPA SLPKC. And we're on Instagram at NASPA underscore SLPKC. Uh, you can also connect with me on Twitter. I'm at John Mark Day. And if you are interested in being a guest on the podcast, if you have some thoughts on the things that we have talked about, or you have some ideas for who should, we should be talking to, we want to hear from you. You can email us at naspaleaderpodcast at gmail.com. So thanks, everybody, for joining in. Uh, Shay, Brian, Vigor, thank you all so much for joining us today. Uh, we really, really appreciate your time. Thank you all. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Yes, my pleasure, John Mark. It was, it was a blast. Thanks so much. Awesome. Well, thank you all. We will we'll talk with you all next time.